Proverbs chapter 6, we're talking about ants, and I want to be transparent with you here in the beginning. I don't really like ants, especially fire ants. Fire ants can hurt you. They can sting and cause a lot of pain. And even go a little step further, I don't like most insects. I don't like roaches or mosquitoes or ticks or bed bugs or termites or any of those things. I don't really like them. But we can learn something from them as we see in the Word of God. I was in Brazil one time. And anytime I'm overseas, I'll take snacks with me. So I had some snacks in the hotel room, a little bit hungry. Go to the hotel room and pull out one of the snacks and open it up. And I put some in my mouth. And when I put it in my mouth, I looked down at the bag that the snacks were in. I realized the ants liked them as well. And so it was covered with ants. And I got that out of my mouth pretty quick and put it in the garbage can. I just don't really like ants. But the Lord says, I want you to learn a thing or two from ants. Uh, Let me give you some insights here about ants. As you travel around the world, there are going to be countries where people love to eat ants. I don't understand that. How would you like for God to call you to one of those places where they like to eat ants? Uh, Here's what we know about God's call. He calls us to some tough places and he calls us to some difficult places at times. But there are people around the world who like to eat those insects. We know also about ants. When you look at the insect world, they're one of the strongest insects you will see. You know why? Because they can carry a lot of objects for small in their size. They're very, very, very strong. We know this about the ant world. There there are over 12,000 different types of ants. That's a lot of ants. As you think about ants, where do they live at? Well, you know they live in underground tunnels. We know they live in mounds of dirt. They also live in dead trees. And I would say many of us would give witness. Some ants live in our houses. Uh, You may see them on your kitchen countertops at times. A line going to and fro. But we also know this about ants. They, when they think about living, they're social insects because they live in colonies with one another. They can be millions of ants in a colony, but they also help each other. They're very loyal to each other, as we're going to see this morning. So ants are fascinating that way. They also, in the insect world, they're one of the longest living insects you'll see. It's estimated that some ants, those who don't get in the way of a foot of somebody, but they can live up to 30 years, an ant can. Most insects will never live that long. And then here's an interesting fact about ants. When you look at an ant colony, the females in the colony are the workers, not the males. Now that'll preach any Sunday right there, any time, that the females work and the men, the males do not. So as you look at it, what do do ants teach us? They teach us about many things. So I just want to be faithful to God's word. Somebody would say, why are you preaching a message on ants? Well, I want to be faithful to preach and teach the whole counsel of God. And so when you look at Proverbs 6, you see him talking about the ants. You pay attention, learn a thing or two. His word will not return void. It is true from Genesis to Revelation. And so I believe on a Sunday morning, Father's Day weekend, God has a word for us from the ant world this morning. So let's look at the God's Word. Look at your outline with me. What does ants teach us? Number one, dedicated service. Ants are hard workers. And you think about the ant world, they're hard workers. There are soldier ants in a colony, and here's what soldier ants do. Soldier ants find out who's not working, and they kill them. That's an incentive to stay active in the ant colony. So if you're not working, producing, a soldier ant's going to come after you and you're probably going to lose. You're not going to make it 30 years if there's a soldier ant around. But it's interesting that all the females do the work and the males do not. Now, that, there's a great correlation of that in the life of the church. Let me ask you this question. What would happen to our church if all the women start ser- stop serving the Lord Jesus Christ? What would happen? I mean, it would be devastating to see that. 
That's why I encourage you, men, on this Father's Day weekend, men and fathers, realize that God has saved you for a reason. He's gifted you. Make your life available. We need more men serving in the fellowship of our church. Make your life available for God to use. And as you think about the ant world again, when you look at ants, uh, they don't get paid to work. No one's patting them on the back, and they don't quit. They're faithful and working. And so I just challenge us, when you look at the ant world and you see here, go to the ant, O sluggard. Make sure you pay attention. What are they doing? They know how to serve and the work, at least the females. Now, let me ask you some things, and I'm going to give you three words I want you to focus on because we're going to dig into this and make some application illustration for us. But first word is priority. As you think about your life, what are the priorities of your life? When I look at kids and students and adults, what are the priorities of your life? We know this from God's Word in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. The Bible says here again, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. We need to make sure that Jesus Christ is the priority of our lives. Now let me ask you, is Jesus the priority of your life? And so how are you going to know that? Well, there are things you can look at your life, you can evaluate to distinguish is He the priority of your life. For example, your worship, your prayer life, your Bible intake, your conversations, your frequency in giving, and the way you serve him are going to determine is he the priority of your life. I just encourage you, make sure Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, died on an old rugged cross, victorious over the grave. Make sure he is the priority of your life. Number two, purpose. As you look at the ant world, they have a purpose. There's something that they're doing. Sometimes I don't understand all that God created these insects to do, but they have a purpose. You and I have a purpose in life as well. Now, I want to make several statements to you this morning in the room and those who are watching that I pray will encourage you but challenge you. And here they are. Number one is your life is not an accident or a mistake. Second in this, your life is not a waste. Also understand, you have been fearfully and wonderfully made by Almighty God. Psalm 139, verse 14. Also to know this morning, whatever age you are, you have a heavenly Father who cares about you. Just listen to those statements again. When you think about purpose in life, that your life is not an accident or a mistake. Your life is not a waste. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the Heavenly Father cares about you. And when you look at your life, Almighty God has given you physical life and spiritual life because He's given you purpose in life. Now I want to ask you, do you know what your purpose in life is? And that's why I would encourage all of us, when you look at the ant world and you understand how they work and how they do all the things that they do, make sure you understand the purpose, why God created you and has given you life, physical life and spiritual life. Understand that. And you say, well, how do I know the purpose of God for my life? I want to give you these three questions again that's going to help you discover the purpose of God for your life. Question number one, what are your spiritual gifts? If we can ever help you discover your gifts with a spiritual gift inventory, let us know because we'd love to come alongside. That's a discipleship issue. When you came to Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of you. He has given you gift or gifts in your life. Second question I would ask you, what excites you? 
I wonder what are your gifts, but what excites you in life? Because oftentimes your purpose is around what God has created excitement in your life about. What excites you in life? And then question three I would ask you, if money was not an issue, what would you love to do if you did not need a salary? And when you start walking through those evaluation questions like that, here are my spiritual gifts and here's what excites me. And if I didn't need a salary and money was no issue, I'd love to devote my life doing this. When you understand that, you're moving in the direction to discover, yes, Jesus is my priority, but here is God's purpose for my life. Third word is the word passion. We don't use this word a lot in the Christian life, but I believe we should. Because we look around in our city and even in our lives, we know there's a lot of passion around. We have passion for sports. We have passion for food. We have passion for entertainment. But let me ask you on a Sunday morning on Father's Day weekend, do we have passion for the Lord Jesus Christ in life? And as I think about my life and even my ministry and preaching ministry, as I tell Angie oftentimes, I want to preach with freedom and liberty from the Holy Spirit, but also I want to preach with passion for the Lord Jesus Christ in life. Amen. Because I don't want to just come and give you a talk. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and passionate about what God is doing in my life. If there's ever a time that we need to be passionate about Jesus, it has got to be now. And why do I say that? Here's why. Because of... The, the cross and the empty tomb, we should be turning the world upside down for the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Sunday night, last Sunday night at the Southern Baptist Convention, Dr. Tony Evans preached the message. And you can go online and listen to that. It is a great word from God. And in there, there was a part of his sermon that challenged me in my own life. He talked about 9-11. And he talked about there were 19 men who were together worshiping a false god who came together and brought this nation to our knees on 9-11. 19 men. And as you and I look in this room with hundreds of people here, but you think about how many believers there are in this nation. 19 men brought this nation to our knees. What are we doing as brothers and sisters in Christ? Are we together? We're worshiping not a false God, but the true and living God. How are we making a spiritual difference in our day and our generation? We need passion for Jesus. So as you look at the ant world, they're teaching you about dedicated service. And I would just ask you, is Jesus the priority of your life? Do you know what the purpose of God for your life is? And then are you serving and living for him with passion in your life? Dedicated service. Look at number two. Number two is faithful stewardship. As you and I think about the end world, it goes on to say, go to the end, O slugger, consider her ways and be wise. If you'll study the ant, you're going to be wise in life. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food and harvest. What does this mean? It means that the ant is wise, a faithful steward of resources in life. Now, interesting enough, when you look at the insect world, ants and grasshoppers are very different. Different in size, different in purpose. But when you look at the grasshopper, the grasshopper never prepares. And then when winter comes, the grasshopper dies. But the ant understands, again, winter is coming. I've got to be working, gathering to harvest in the summer to be ready for the winter. And so the ant prepares and the ant lives up to 30 years at times. 
But let me give you some insight here about faithful stewardship because please understand stewardship is not just about money. Stewardship is about money. It's also about time. It's about resources. It's about gifts. It's about agendas. Are we faithful stewards of all that God has given you and me? Let me give you these three words here. Number one, give generously. The good news on this weekend, we know this about our Heavenly Father is He is gracious and He's generous. He's not stingy. And you say, how generous is he? Well, just look at John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. He is that generous that he would give his only begotten son to die on a cross and to shed his blood and to give his life for you and me. That's how generous he is. And as you and I think about generosity, sometimes the question comes up, if I make more money, does that mean I'll be more generous? Not always is that true. ABC News did a report some time ago. They were looking at the generosity of churchgoers, and here's what they found. In this interview, they found that the average churchgoer gives 2.5% of his or her income to the ministries of the church. 2.5%. And then they went back in the 1930s during the Great Depression. The average churchgoer gave 3.5% of his or her income to the ministries of the local church. So just because you make more does not mean you're going to be more generous. Generosity is not about money. It's about the heart. And so I just encourage you, make sure you give generously in life because the ants, they're, they're giving, they're saving, they're doing all these things. Get ready for another day. Make sure you are faithful in your stewardship and a part of that is give generously. Number two is save consistently. As you look at this text again, what is the ant doing? Working hard, being wise, not having any chief officer or ruler, prepares her bread in the summer, gathers her food in the harvest, getting ready, saving, not spending everything, saving. This past week at the Southern Baptist Convention, Angie and I went to the Guidestone booth that's a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. And we went there and just met with one of their leaders and said, we just want to make sure that we are saving enough as we look down the road and see what God does in our lives. We just want to make sure that we're saving enough. We want to be good stewards, yes, of time, but also resources. It's good to evaluate those things. The Federal Reserve did a study some time ago, and here's what they said. 40% of Americans are not in the financial position to handle a $400 emergency in life. 40% of Americans are not in a position to handle a $400 emergency in life. I just encourage you, make sure you live on less than you make. Save consistently. And you say, how do I do that? I just encourage you, a couple of very practical things. Make sure you save $1,000 for emergencies in life. It's not if emergencies are going to happen, when they're going to happen. Be ready for those, and then as God allows you to, make sure you're able to put back three to six months of living expenses because if your job situation ever changed, your employment ever adjusted in some way, you are not stressed out wondering what you're going to do. You have given generously. You have saved consistently. That's a wise thing. We see that from the ant world. And then number three, live responsibly. You need to live responsible. Lord, I want to be a good steward of my time. I want to be a good steward of the money you give me. I want to be a good steward of, of the doors of opportunity you put in my way, the agendas, those type things. I want to live responsibly. Let me make a few statements under live responsibly that will help us understand this. One is you and I are rich compared to people around the world. Just let that sink in for a moment. 
compared to people around the world, you and I are extremely, extremely rich. I mean, we have most of us in this room, most people who are watching, we have more than we need in life. We have storage facilities just to keep up with all this stuff. Let me give you this second one. You and I have choices. Choices like what? Well, we got choices what we wear. How many of you went to your closet this morning and you had so many choices, you didn't even know what you were going to wear because you had decisions to make? Most of us, that's the case. Some of us more than others. But also, when you, when you think about going to a restaurant or what are you going to eat for a meal, you and I have so many choices in life. Here's what, I mean, we can have hamburger, we can have steak, we can have chicken, we can have pork, we can have barbecue. We've got so many choices. What in the world are we going to eat? Sometimes we can't even agree about what we're going to eat. We have so many choices. But when you look at people around the world, here's what you're going to discover. You and I are rich and you and I have so many choices because for the majority of people around the world, when they go to their closet, most of them don't even have a closet, but when they go to figure out what they're going to wear, they only really have one option. It's what I had on yesterday. It's what I had on the day before. And when they go to sit down at the table, they don't have a lot of choices. It's beans and rice today. Tomorrow it's going to be beans and rice. The next day it's going to be beans and rice. It is beans and rice every day. And then I would just encourage you as well, just make sure you live responsibly and to realize you have been given so much. Make sure you are a faithful steward of what God has given you and trusted you in your life. We see that in the ant world. They're preparing in the summer, getting ready for the winter, bringing in the harvest. They are living responsibly. You and I need to do the same thing. Yes, we need to see dedicated service. We also see faithful stewardship. Number three, noticeable support. One thing you'll notice about the animal, the ant world, is this, is that they support one another. Now, as Baptists, we need to hear this word. Because if you look at these ants, they are loyal to each other and they support one another in life. Make sure you hear these words because they are right. They live in colonies and they support each other. Now, back in 2018, Hurricane Florence came through on the Carolinas. And massive rainfall, a lot of damage in that part of our country. And there were stories that came out about ants. And, and look at a couple of these pictures. Because when you look at this one, ants came together after that storm. And what they did, they formed a bridge. There's an island. Ants can come together in a matter of minutes and come together forming a little island. Helps them survive. That's an ant island. Then look at the next picture. You see this bridge that they built over water. Those are literally thousands upon thousands of ants. They come together in just a matter of moments and made a bridge so that they could survive. They are loyal and they support one another as ants. Here's what happens in the ant world. Uh, they don't quit. They don't get their feelings hurt and leave the colony. All right. They don't give up. They stay loyal to one another. Why? Because they, there's noticeable support. They know if we're going to live, if we're going to survive, we need to support one another in the ant world. Uh, let me give you three words here I want you to write down. If we're going to support each other, and if there's ever a time as the people of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we need to support one another, yes, the time is now. Number one is relational. Ants are very relational. They're very social. Again, they live in colonies. They help each other. Relational. God created you and me for relationships. He saved you and gifted you and put you in the body of Christ so that we would be relational. We need one another in the Christian life. 
And here's what I would desire to see from every one of us in this room, even those who are watching. Here's the value of the local church, that you and I would be connected to a connect group where we are studying the Word of God together, but also where we are sharing life with one another. I promise you this, you need other people in your life to make it. You need the Word of God, yes, but you need other people. There are going to be days you're going to be on the mountaintop and you look at life and you say, life could never get any better than this. But in the same breath, I can say this to you, there are going to be days you're going to be in the midst of the valley and here's what you're going to look at. I didn't know life could be this difficult. And you need the people of God around you to say, we're going to celebrate with you But we're going to bear your burdens as well. We are relational. God created us for relationships. So I challenge you, make sure you get connected to a connect group where you study the word of God with other brothers and sisters in Christ, but also so you can share life together. Second word is loyal. As you think about ants, they're very loyal to one another. Again, they don't get their feelings hurt. They don't pack up their toys and walk away. They are loyal to each other. They stay the course. We need to see loyalty in the body of Christ as well. And here's what I mean by that. There are times we look at them and say, well, I got my feelings hurt. It didn't go the way I thought it would. Or they didn't do what I wanted them to do. That is not a time to get your feelings hurt, to pick up your toys and quit and go to another church. That's not what God's asking us to do. We need loyalty in this church. I remember leading a deacon's meeting years ago. And I was leading them to do a ministry and And again, it had been something we had done. It required some resources, some financial investment. And during the course of the deacons meeting, there were two deacons whom I loved and appreciated as brothers in Christ, spoke up and said, I'm not really, or we're not really in favor of this ministry at this point, giving this much money to this ministry. And so we had a little interesting issue here. Two very godly men whom I appreciated who said, you know, not really in favor of that. That's a lot of money for that particular ministry. But here's what both of those godly deacons said. In the course of that meeting, those deacons looked at me and said this, Pastor, if this is how you believe God is going to lead us and what we need to be doing, and if we agree to do this, we're going to support you and support this ministry, and we're even going to support it with our finances. They didn't get mad. They didn't say, I'm not going to come back to this church. I wasn't in favor of that. I'm going to take my toys and go somewhere else. Those men were faithful to Christ and loyal to the body of Christ. We see that in the ant world. They don't get mad and walk away and leave the colony. They stay the course. And church family, I love you. Thank God that we're here. I just encourage you to be relational and to be loyal to Christ, but also to his church here. Number three is the word sacrificial. When you look at the ants, they sacrifice for one another. Uh, They help each other. If there's a need, they're going to take care of it. It's strange to talk about that in the ant world, but that's what they do. If there's ever a time again that we need to be sacrificial with one another, it is now. Who set the example? It's Jesus did. Jesus left heaven, came to this earth and took on human flesh, lived a perfect sinless life, died on a rugged cross, shed his blood, buried in a tomb, raised on the third day. Jesus Christ loves you and me, but he sacrificed for you and me. He gave his life for us. And as I look around at kids and students and adults, members of this great church, what are you and I sacrificing for the body of Christ? Are we giving the Lord time? Are we giving faithful stewardship to this church? 
Are we giving service to him? What are we sacrificing for one another in the body of Christ? Brothers and sisters in Jesus, what is it costing you and me to serve Christ and to be a part of this church? He sacrificed. We need to sacrifice. And so I just encourage you in your relationships. Support one another. Be relational. Be loyal and be sacrificial to one another, even in the fellowship of the church. Give your life to Christ and to his people. Number four, tenacious steadfastness. Think about this word for a moment, tenacious steadfastness. I'm going to confess here for a moment. I don't really kill anything now. I'll leave that up to Angie. If there's an insect in the house, I just say, Angie, we've got an issue over here. If you'll come and help out. So she's really good. She does that much, much better than me. So I don't do that. There's a spider. Angie, we've got a spider over here. What are we going to do? And I just say, hey, you'll get do something with it but when i was growing up i would see an anthill and sometimes i would take my foot and just kick the anthill anybody else ever want to confess just raise your hand if you've done that so i feel better now so that's that's therapy for me so i feel much better and so i'd I'd see an anthill and i'd kick if you fire ants be careful they will they will hurt you they'll put you in the emergency room if you do that with some of these fire ants but 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 i would kick that anthill and the ants would go everywhere you know what happens in that they are master builders and they're master rebuilders. And so you can kick that anthill, ants go everywhere. You know what they start doing immediately? They start rebuilding. They start rebuilding. It's amazing to watch them function that way. That's how they operate. I mean, you take fire ants and you try to, try to get rid of them, and then just a day or two, they're back again, and they start building these mounds of dirt. They are so resilient tenacious steadfastness when their world is turned upside down they come together in a colony they work together and they start the process of rebuilding let me give you some words here about your life and my life we learn from the ant world number one expect what am i going to expect i would just encourage you to expect there's going to be difficult painful days in your life just expect it just because you know Christ and just because you desire to live godly in Christ does not exempt you from difficulties in life. Here's what I would say about that. As you and I follow Christ, we need to expect storms in life. We need to expect spiritual warfare in life. We need to expect opposition in life. And if you'll just live your life, somebody's going to kick over the anthill. You just need to expect those things are going to come. It happens to those in the Bible who love the Lord God. It happens to us in life who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Just learn to expect difficult times. Word number two, believe. What do I need to believe? I want to give you a few thoughts right here again. Not on the outline, I encourage you to write these down. What do I need to believe? First, believe this, the Lord is with us. I don't care how hard the storm is, how intense the warfare is, how long-standing is the opposition, the Lord is with us. Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? I'll fear no evil. Why? You are with me. Moses died. God's raising up a new leader by the name of Joshua. Joshua's not sure he can do that. And what does the Lord say? Joshua, you have no reason to be afraid or fearful. Why? I am with you. 
And so when life is difficult, you need to believe this. The Lord is with you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to walk out of your life. You're not going to see his back because he's turned away. The Lord is with you. Let me give you another statement here when you think about this idea of the Lord being faithful to us and he's with us. Here's what you're also going to know. The Lord grows us. When you came to Christ and the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of you, his goal for you in the Christian life is that you would be conformed to the likeness and image of Jesus. We use a lot of big theological words. When you came to Christ, that was justification. And if he's growing you in the Christian life, it's a word we use, sanctification. He's setting you apart to be like Jesus. How does he do that? Here's what I've discovered in my own life. I would imagine many of you would say the same thing. The greatest periods of spiritual growth and development in your life oftentimes will come in the valleys and the storms of life. That's just how God works. Can we learn some things on the mountaintop? Absolutely we can. But there are going to be times you're going to learn some of the greatest, deepest, most intimate truths about the Lord when life is at its most difficult season of all. He grows us. Third statement I'd make here, the Lord fulfills Romans eight twenty eight. I use this verse a lot in my own life, but also with people. What does he say? He said, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You just believe those things. When life is tough, somebody's kicked the anthill. Ants are everywhere. You start rebuilding. The Lord is with me. The Lord is growing me. And the Lord is going to fulfill Romans 8.28 in my life. He's faithful. Third word is the word overcome. As you and I think about that ant world, somebody comes along and destroys the anthill. Ants are scattered everywhere. They start rebuilding. They are wonderful overcomers in, in the ant world. They know how to overcome very difficult times. And again, they come together, they're loyal to each other, and they start rebuilding. And then before long, that anthill that was kicked over and ants went everywhere, that dirt starts coming up again, and they're rebuilding that colony again. They're wonderful overcomers. Now, I've got good news on this Sunday morning. I've read the end of this book, and guess what? We win. Praise the Lord for that. We win. Yeah, praise Him for that. We win. And here's what I mean by that. We're victorious. Why? Because Jesus is victorious. We're overcomers. Why? He's an overcomer. I mean, the cross did not defeat him. The grave did not feed him. Listen, he overcame the cross and the grave. Jesus Christ is alive. We're victorious. He is an overcomer. And as a result of that, he wants you and me to be overcomers in life. And if you look at the Word of God, you're going to see individuals in Scripture who walk with God, who knew the Lord Jesus Christ, who were overcomers in life. If you'll study church history, what are you going to find? You're going to find people who are overcomers in life. Not people who were defeated. Not people who picked up their toys and walked away. People who are overcomers, victorious in Christ. I could just give you so many, but let me just, uh, Corey Ten Boom. If you ever have an opportunity to read any of Corey Ten Boom's works, Faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, written a book entitled Jesus is Victor, she faced in World War II a, a death camp, but she was an overcomer in Christ. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor, resisted Nazi dictatorship, overcomer in the Christian life, in the midst of very, very difficult days, an overcomer in Christ. Johnny Erickson Tata, injured in a diving accident, became a paraplegic in her life. But even in the midst of very difficult circumstances, overcomer in her life, devoted to Christ, realizes again, God is using her even in the midst of a wheelchair, an overcomer in life. And so I just challenge you as kids, students, and adults, yes, somebody's going to kick over your anthill, but because of the power and the presence of Jesus Christ, be an overcomer in your life. You have victory in Jesus in life. Be an overcomer. Be an overcomer in So I want us to bow our heads together, and I'm going to ask you very personally this morning, those in the room, I want to encourage you today. Are you serving him? Are you a good steward of what he's trusted you with? Are you supporting one another as brothers and sisters in Christ? And has life kind of turned upside down for you that you need to be tenacious, steadfast? You need to be an overcomer. And I want to encourage everyone in this room this morning. I believe over the last number of weeks, we've sensed the Lord moving and decisions need to be made. And I just want to encourage you today, please, 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 in obedience to Christ, I just, if you need the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never surrendered your life and trusted him, obey him this morning. I want to encourage you, if you need to be baptized like we witnessed this morning, obey him today. If you need to join the fellowship of this church, we need you in this church. You need this church. Step forward this morning and walk down one of the aisles and come here. Our pastoral staff is going to be here. We'd love to pray with you and rejoice with you. And then this morning, your life's turned upside down. Someone's kicked the anthill. And you need to be an overcomer. This altar is going to be open. Our pastoral team is going to be here. We've got prayer warriors who are going to be on each side, to the right and to the left of me. They'd love to pray with you and for you. You can be an overcomer because Jesus is an overcomer. And so I just want to encourage you in this room this morning in just a moment as we start singing just as I am, you come this morning. We appeal to you to do that. Be obedient to Christ today. And then for those who are watching online, we appeal to you. We want you to make those same spiritual decisions in your life. So you can comment to us. You can email us at the address you see on the screen because we would love to help you. We have people who want to come alongside you and help you know Christ, be obedient to him, and be an overcomer in your life as well. You respond to us, and we'll come alongside and minister to you for the glory of God in the name of Christ. Be an overcomer. Be victorious. Experience his joy. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for those ants that we learn so much from. And I pray today, the sound of my voice, people to come to Christ, to be obedient in baptism, to join the fellowship of our church, and to be an overcomer in life because sometimes life is very difficult and challenging. But Lord, we believe you. And we want to be overcomers 
So we rejoice in you this morning. And so, Father, I pray for obedience in this invitation as we come to you just as we are. But praise the Lord, you let us go a different person because you change us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.